Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bet you guys weren't expecting me to say that this time. Usually that's Jeremy's job. Now I feel special. But today we have uh, something a little different for everybody. Something I'm actually pretty excited for. Um, We have a super special guest on today to talk about some pretty cool stuff that he's got going on and some other topics as well. Fair warning, this is kind of a last minute uh, guest here. So, you know, we're just going to shoot from the hip. But before I get too deep into it and before I introduce the guest, I'm going to bring on my new co hosts for my new show since I won the lottery, if you guys remember from the last episode. That's not Uh, true. We got Jeremy since he wanted to chime in and say it wasn't true. Jeremy, what's up, bud? Not much. I'm excited to listen to you trip over yourself. This is going to be great. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, Also, we got Kenzar. The new kid, Kenzar. What's up, Kenzar? Hello. What's up? Not a whole lot for me. Fair enough. Jake, what's up, brother? Oh, it's a great day here in uh, Southern California. I just got home from work, rode the bike today. It was fantastic. Um, Super stoked that you're actually doing the intro this time and not having me cover for you. So (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting ready to wing it. Like, I was ready. Now, now, children. <laughs> it's all right. I'm good at winging it. It's, it's what I do. Uh, and then, uh, last but definitely not least, our super special guest for the day. This man, he is a comedian. He is a director. He is a filmmaker, a writer. Uh, this guy hopefully will have some uh, some mind-blowing information today. I'm sure that we'll get into some crazy stuff. But this is Brian Moreno the director and creator of Dreamland, a storming Area 51 story. Brian, what is up, brother? Hello, hello, hello. Pleasure to be here. And thank you and um, your entire crew here. You got a whole baseball team working this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. We like to have a lot of voices on this show. Sometimes, you know, we we like to talk over each other, but uh, that's what we've got. What do you mean? Uh, we don't do that at all. No, we don't. Yeah, no, we've never, never done not that. once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Clap <laughs> track for you. Perfect. No, uh, I, I actually uh, I have my soundboard in front of me. That was me. I just had to make sure it still worked in case I started bombing. Like I always have that. <laughs> Genius, dude! I need to do that. <laughs> oh man! If I would have too much fun with that, Jeremy would be going off on these tangents about this. You know, like he he'll write up a script full of notes and stuff. Crickets, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys were like, "Who the hell brought a laugh track? That's crazy!" <laughs> I actually thought that that was Jeremy when I heard. That. I thought it was Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was all, Jake. I have all kinds. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So now we know. Good times. Good times. <laughs> oh man. So, anyways, yeah, Brian. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, you know your background. Uh, tell us, just yeah, give us a a short biography. Who are you? Sure, sure. I, I don't. I'm not just the guy that comes in a podcast with with an audience clapping. <laughs> right? I um, I'm about a uh, 12 years uh 
Yeah, this will be my 12th year doing stand-up comedy. Before that, um, I was a failed actor. And then before that, I was the West Coast Public Relations Manager of the Wall Street Journal. So I've had like a crazy career to get to where I'm at. Um, throughout the course of my comedy career, I started doing uh, shorter videos, you know, comedy sketches, whatever you want to call them. Some of them went pretty viral. And the last one we did, it was um, an exact replication of Ancient Aliens. It was called Ancient Aliens, Aliens and Comedy. And you can find it on my YouTube. It hit like uh, between Funny or Die and a few other websites. It hit like 25, 30 million views. Um, you know, Giorgio Sukolo started following me on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it was like at the time, it was one of the highlights of my life. And... Um, at that moment in time, I stopped doing sketches, and that's where the whole idea of me starting to make movies. Like I, Since I was a kid, I always thought I was going to make films, but once I started getting real traction in my shorter videos, I knew to, um, to break through, I was going to have to like really take a chance on something. And for about two, three years, I formulated a few ideas, and then the storming of Area 51 event happened. And that was the vehicle for my film, Dreamland, a storming area 51 story. It's a um, Curb Your Enthusiasm style documentary, but it is a real documentary, like by the letter of the law, like um, it is a true documentary, but I've interjected a lot of comedy and a lot of um, a lot of excitement in order to tell a story about the people not only who stormed Area 51, but all the people who really believe in things that are like unseen or not easily understood. Awesome, man. Yeah, and I just uh, came across your YouTube channel. It's uh, Brian Moreno Comedy, right? Brian. Yes, Moreno sir. Comedy. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Yeah, check that out. I'm going to definitely watch this Ancient Aliens uh <laughs> I folded up too. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I want it. To, I used that to love pretty, that show. That, that one's pretty awesome. And then there's another one I did on there called True Comedian. I don't know if you remember the show True Detective on HBO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we matched HBO exactly. Like the graphics guy even got a cease and desist because we use like their HBO <laughs> sounds and stuff. But then they, because this was at the time when Vince Vaughn still had a Twitter, he tweeted out the original link to it. And he's like, this is what our season should have been. And so that's when, you know, that's when I kind of knew I had to like, cause I wanted to tell real stories like long mm -hmm. form and like the biggest as a comedian, you're, I mean, at least I'm kind of doing that. Like some people are much better joke writers than I am by far, but I'm, I think, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think I'm a little more interesting than some of them. So I've had to, to marry comedy with interesting in order to keep, you know, keep people, keep people on their toes and keep them laughing, but also keep them thinking. And that's what my movie is also trying to do. And so that's why, like I say, it's dreamland area 51 movie.com is the website for anyone who wants to check out. And uh, you can see the trailer on there. Uh, we're, you know, going through the festival circuit right now. I've had four different offers to purchase the movie, but so far nothing that I think is worthy. I don't know. I don't know where the best home for the movie is going to be, but I do have faith in the universe on this one because um, like this movie had no script. It had um, 
it had just an idea in my brain. I gave all the players within, you know, within the film, I gave them all beats to hit. But I didn't have any type of script. And for some of the stuff, I just had to have put faith in the camera crew that they were capturing the stuff because this is a very run and gun type of film. And when I say run and gun, I mean you have a camera crew and cameras and you're going. You don't have sets. You don't have set design. You're working with whatever lighting and sound conditions are are thrown at you. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Shit's honestly. wild. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a good, there's a lot of good reasons why people don't make movies like this. Trust me, trust me. I'm, I'm thankful to whatever you want to be thankful to, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I am thankful because there are so many things that could have gone wrong in this, uh, from the tires being low on the, because I, I rented <laughs> two RVs and a, a Sprinter, and one of the RVs had basically bald tires when we got back. I'm like, how did this make it through the desert and back? Like, it was not, when I say bald, it was slick, like, like a fresh-shaped <laughs> head. <laughs> You're like, it, it's, it's forecasted to rain for the next week. It's like, film, film, what are you waiting on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it it, it was a labor of love and you know i i put everything i had into it and now i i just hope to find it the right home but i believe it's a very good product yeah this film dreamland it, it is about it's about inclusion it's about showing people that we're not all that different um in some of the the beliefs and some of these esoteric things, because there's a lot of parallels I try to make in this film, even though it is a comedy documentary. There's a lot of parallels I try to make about uh, people who are, say, religious, like altered, like from just barely religious to ultra religious, like they're believing in things that are like unseen and they're getting down and praying to things that are invisible. And to some of these people, aliens and extraterrestrials and their whatever their energy beings that they see like it's the same thing to them like they believe in things that aren't easily explained or understood or it's just it's a faith-based thing and no one group is right or wrong like so many people so much smarter than me have tried to explain this and have failed miserably so this is you know this is a documentary that kind of shows the parallels while also entertaining and that's you know and that's a hard thing to do and that's why i believe in my heart in my mind's eye that this movie will stand the test of time like it's very early like i really just finished it three four months ago and people think oh once you finish a movie get no it's a very long tedious process to sell a movie to get it out especially when you're an unknown like i am like i may be doing comedy and acting for you know, a better portion of my life, but I'm still rather unknown. Until you have uh, more money behind you than what I do, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta grind and you gotta push. And every day, you gotta be marketing yourself. And it's not easy, but it's nothing is right. Yeah, that's the truth, man. So I saw the trailer for the film, and at first, watching the trailer, like I watched it the first time, and I was like, "Is this like a satirical?" comedy about the storming of area 51 because that's kind of how the trailer played to me the first well time, there were right? two different trailers there's an alternate an early version and then there's a more serious one that we went with gotcha so i might have seen the the first one then possibly 
but then I, I heard you on uh, Brian's uh, or not Brian Brandon's podcast, the expanding reality shout out to him. And uh, I heard you explaining that it's not, I haven't seen the film uh, full disclosure for everybody listening. I haven't seen the film uh, yet, but you know, super excited to actually watch it. But then I heard you guys talking about how you do all these interviews with people and how it's, even though it is, it has the funny element. It's not like a satirical comedy. It's, it is a documentary. No, it's it's closer to something. I I don't know how much you like you're into film, but um, there's a filmmaker Werner Herzog. He um he was a great inspiration to me in this because he was able to make in his early days. He was able to make films, and he used all of his surroundings to tell the story like whoever was around or whatever was there and i felt like i could do that with this storming area 51 event because i had a pretty good idea that the event was going to be a failure so to make a movie out of a failing event you have to make it real like there has to be a um a level of uh personal connection to to something within the film in order to get people to watch it because i think we all pretty much know that the event didn't turn out as expected but that being said the event would have been even less without me and my crew and the things that we did there and what we were able to capture you'll see is definitely um a piece of american history it may be a small piece but it represents this ever-growing subculture within the mainstream and that's the UFOologist, and that's the the CE five people, and that's the I guess just the alien heads, as I like to refer to them as, you know. And, and those are the people that, and when I say alien heads, these are the people that just want to believe in something other than religion. You know, they they want to yeah. believe in, so but they have no basis for any of their beliefs except they're pretty much anti-religion or anti-establishment, and that's fine. You know, like you, you find, you'd be like, people find their own way, you know, all the time. But, but uh, my movie highlights all of those groups. And I think the characters that I placed within the story, they represent a lot of these colors of the rainbow. Because within like the whole UFOlogy rainbow, like there's these individual colors. Like there's the, the like the really hardcore people. There's the people that just believe one theory. There's the people that believe the whole rainbow. Like there's the people that think they're living among us. There's the people who have regular experiences, you know, and there's the non-believers within that, that subculture. Also the people that are like, oh yeah, I believe that there's more life out there, but I just don't know what form it is. So on that, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your idea of like what the UFOs, the UAPs are, Brian? I would say nine times out of 10, it's, uh, it's reverse engineered military stuff. Maybe, maybe eight out of 10, but you know, like there's always the exception, but most of them just by the design and how, how they are, it's some type of military, military crap because there's a point that's brought up in the film from a theorist uh, that I interviewed. And he br- brought up a great point that I think about regularly um, about how segmented the government is, how the Navy and the Air Force they have no idea 
what each other is doing. And what better way to test your equipment than to test it on American military, you know, on a different uh, branch of the military. So I think a lot of it uh, probably starts there. Um, You know, what other countries, including Russia and China, have in that type of that type of aerial vehicle is really in question but um well let me because we can actually get a little insight on on that idea because we have our two resident navy pogs who are part of the show (laughs) oh that's great no that's great i mean i i can tell you this for sure like the smartest person that i know who works for the government was this was 10 15 years ago he was contracted to develop a radar system that tracks things that go over 700 miles an hour radar for just things that go over 700 miles an hour like what goes over 700 miles an hour <laughs> you know it's it's not like you know it's not missiles it's not you know well, what do you what do you think about that, Jeremy? The the Navy and the Air Force, you know, not knowing what's going on. Here's here's the thing. Brian is absolutely correct to a point, right? The military in general is very segmented. He's uh, at Jake and I's rank. We don't know shit about what's going on with other branches. Now there are a lot of joint operations, and then of course, when you get a lot higher, there's going to be you know, more talk between each other, especially when you get to the secretaries and stuff. Brian is on definitely onto something where let's say the air force is testing something, something that's reverse engineered. Let's fly that bitch near Norfolk, Virginia, you know, the biggest naval base and see, see what happens. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting because not, they can get a lot of stuff tested there, not just the ability of the aircraft, but also the ability of their defense systems, their radar tracking systems, shit, even FLIRs. I mean, everything on a Navy base has a freaking FLIR on it. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I'm under the same kind of belief as you, though, Brian, that most, if not all of the UFO sightings are probably some black budget, you know, uh, craft that's being built or or maybe another country, who knows. But, you know, I'm pretty much the uh, space is fake guy. And the UFOs aren't aliens. Okay, well, there's well one thing that I yeah. hate to always point out to people, but if these interstellar beings are traveling that far to get here, why do they need like LED lights on their spacecraft? <laughs> I love that question. That's a great argument. <laughs> like, don't actually, you think <laughs> they have mapping technology that needs no, that doesn't need front LED lights. Like that is. <laughs> That is a very military thing to put on your spacecraft, okay? It's just, it, it's it's a very human thing to have on your your vehicle. It's just, if there are interstellar beings, and this is how it's been explained to me, that our planet is like one of those small tribes in Africa. They, like, we see them as these primitive beings that don't even have the internet that barely have you know have any type of established society or culture and our planet is simply a way station they stop they refuel they do whatever it's more than likely underwater in the it's more than likely in the oceans in mountains or the 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 pole polar regions but we are nothing but 
a primitive being to to whatever may be out there and some of the people that do tell me these things they you know i've really picked and prodded and they are individuals that um you know they're not just believers there's a lot of scientific you know backing behind their theories and that's what and that is the most logical way it's been explained to me and that is the what i lean towards but then again like there's certain experiences that people have that do make you pause and make you wonder and who am i to say it's wrong just because i don't experience it you know right yeah yeah for sure and uh let me ask you this, man, because you were at the the storming of Area 51 event, which I actually thought about going to and selling water, because in my mind, I was thinking, <laughs> these people are dumb enough to go raid Area 51. They're probably too dumb to bring water. So I was thinking <laughs> about that. But um, what what do you what was like the maybe the wildest thing that you saw? Like, what was the thing? Well, that see, you, saw? you that that question, I, I can't wait for you to see the movie. Because the wildest thing we saw was stuff that we did there. And you'll see, like, I'm not going to ruin <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it for you. But fair enough. But the people that did go, because I got all the way to the gates and I interviewed some people there. And, and the wildest thing that I thought there was is that on the right on the other side of the gate, there's like um, this little shack type thing, you know, that that uh, cars have to check in with to go by. And there was like a dude dressed in all black taking photos and videos of everyone out there. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the whole big brother thing, the government, like, you know, you see like a Will Smith movie and they immediately map your face and they have your credit score next to you. And, and you know, your outstanding <laughs> bills. And <laughs> so you saw, you saw an actual men in black. Or yeah, in yeah, black yeah. 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 So, <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, man. Honestly, Jeez. yeah. That did, did you catch the the Naruto run? You yeah, know, the, yeah. The memes of the all the guys. Yeah, of course. Running. Well, yeah, it's in the movie. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> why I was like, maybe you I saw it. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this, dude. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Your listeners won't uh, know, but uh, we've uh, we won our first festival. We were in a sci-fi and fantasy festival with Best Narrative, which is a which an honor. Now we're in the Malibu Film Fest, and because of certain regulations, they're still doing a virtual this year. But uh, people can screen it for like you know two three days, um, you know, and to check the movie out. And everyone, like everyone who's seen it, has been very they've been very surprised. And I I can't wait for you guys to watch it because it's um, you know, it, it's a it's a very good movie and I'm not just saying that because I gave my life for it. It's, you know, when movies are good, you, you know, it like your eyes and your ears, like when you see really powerful art, it, it like you feel it, you vibrate mm -hmm. differently, whatever it may be, whatever type of art, like story is art, poem, painting. Like when you're in the presence of great art, it, you like, you feel it, you genuinely feel it in your bones. And this is something that, you know, people feel it and I, it makes me happy. I don't want to give away too much and I don't want you to give away too much about your about your movie, but I obviously I have some questions here that I'm dying to ask. First thing is what were these people that were storming Area 51? What what did they think they were going to get? Like what did they think that they were going to find or or what did they think was at the end of this this path that they were that they were on? 
Well, first off, let me be clear is um a lot of that storm area 51 stuff, that was legitimate fake news. Like there the news was building up this story and it kind of snowballed and I heard cuz we got there Friday night but didn't get to the gates of area 51 until Saturday. We heard that there were on Friday night some people out there and then some drunk lady walked like past the gate some old like she was some older woman and i guess she was just hammered and you know but this was like, 51. yeah but it was like desert people you know like so, like she was you know like there's if you've ever been out in the desert it's like these she was just yeah. like oh what's the fuck do i spend a night in jail like what's the big deal <laughs> so nobody was really storming i mean some um and it's in the movie there were some uh some youtube guys got arrested doing something but there for the most part most of the people there were very peaceful and very um uh, uh there just for a good time you know they were prepared they didn't really have any intention of getting arrested you know, I, I think most of the people were there just to see what was going to happen. And like that tailgate party. Yeah, That's what I yeah. and that for. makes for a very, you know, uninteresting film unless you have a full story. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot to my there's a lot more to my film than just that. So you didn't like pay some kid to go up to like the to the guard and punch him or anything like that. You didn't try to stoke the fire. I mean, I I didn't stoke it that way. I stoked it more with the movie. Yeah, like, you know, I prefer not to break federal law when stoking fires. Uh, like, yes, good, that, good, that's, good. That's yes. A, a, Were there a soft, any a soft rule? But, but. Was there anybody that was just flat out arrested just for being close or were they having to do stuff? No, you had to really cross and, and really make an effort to get arrested. So... I've always had this dream, right? I think I'm going to have to bribe somebody, but I've always had this dream where I it's a military base, right? If I know anything about military bases, they have a gas station. And in that gas station, they sell Area 51 patches and coins. And I need an Area 51 challenge coin for my collection. So I yes. thought about driving up to the gate with a with a coin from my current command and being like, hey, you want to trade? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like I've heard they're super cool. They're rare. Oh and they're I mean, there's only one way to find out. And they have yeah, I bet it would be. Yeah, because right? um, out there in Rachel, it's, I don't know, a town of 50 people or something. But uh, there's one little inn, and you can there's a little breakfast place that you can get a decent little breakfast. And then they also have these wonderful tequila bottles that are in the shape of alien heads. Oh, nice. I wish I would have gotten more. What? It's the coolest. Yeah. It's so, one. Yeah, so if you I get out the, the bottle. Yeah, it's the little alien in. Little alien in. I don't alien in how they grammatically it's not spelled correctly, but little that's alien. what it, Yeah, it's the little yeah. alien in. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, right the skull tequila then. Yes, yes, but it's the alien head. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, awesome. that is pretty cool. So <clears throat> um Damn, I had a question and it totally slipped my mind, like right as I opened my mouth. You're thinking oh, about you those do, challenge coins, I know. 
<laughs> so I, you know, I don't know anything about the, the geography and, you know, the layout of area 51 groom Lake, whatever you want to call it, but where everyone was at, like with all the news channel cameras and everything where you were, were you closer than most people were able to get to? Cause I know there's, there's like these rumors about cameras being like randomly out in the desert, infrared cameras and trip wires and everything. Well, I'm sure that I'm okay. So when you see the movie, you'll see that there were two different groups and one of the girls in the party, th- thank goodness she had the GoPro and everything out there, but she got to this point where it's called Sniper's Point. It's out there in the middle Uh-oh. of the desert, and supposedly you're Yikes. you're supposed supposedly you're already on the. If you make it there, you're further than what you should be, because uh-huh. she crossed the the sign that says no trespassing. Da da da. So that's where I think she made it. Um, but me, I just got to the actual gates, the front gates it doesn't say area 51 but it's the famous you know the famous one where they have the the stop poles and and mm-hmm. and um that's where they said people were gonna storm but you know if if you're to like there's nowhere to go you know like you gotta drive a long ways to get anywhere out there yeah, you know? that gate is uh miles from anything interesting that's for sure yeah 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 so yeah the event like I say, the event itself was an event that was big enough because for the movie to work, this had to be an event that people remembered, you know, that people really mm-hmm. knew about. And people knew about this event, but it was such, um, it, it was squashed so much by the government because they didn't want it to have, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't want it was squashed so much and so thoroughly that um, because the original guy who planned it tried to move the festival to Vegas and changed everything all up. And I I knew the event was, like I say, probably going to be a bust, but the event was more of a vehicle to tell a story about this group, because three years ago, the sub the the alien UFO subculture was big. I think it's even bigger now. And it's, oh, you know, like the trajectory is going, you know, to become, to becoming extremely mainstream. Yeah. If, if you don't think it is already, you know, you still have a lot of podcasts and a lot of other people that will ask a question and it bothers the shit out of me. Now they'll say, do you believe in UFOs? And it's dumb because the government, you know, here I am pogging away, right? And shilling away, but the government has <laughs> has come out and said, "Yes, UFOs are real, right?" But you still have those people that are asking the question, "Do you believe in UFOs?" And there's still a lot of people out there, and under the cover of the C word, the the pandemic that happened or is happening or what whatever, the the area of entertainment that we are in. And the subject that we cover, this was huge news, and it got swept underneath the rug, and nobody heard it. Absolutely mm-hmm. nobody heard it. Nobody. Well, there's there's a couple points I I want to make about that. that. Go for it. That I think a lot of people did hear it, but but the government is very calculated in its release of any type of information. 
So I think it was maybe swept under the rug because it's not a, it was, yeah, maybe an acknowledgement, but it wasn't a substance, substance enough, uh, like acknowledgement. Like there's no substance to it. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it didn't say it was any type of uh, alien or alien technology, like UFO, like the difference between a UFO and an alien is (laughs) apples and oranges, you know, it's not even close. So, but they still came out and said, we don't know where they're from, what the origins are. Now, you know, Jeff, or I'm sorry, Jake and I are military. And when we hear that, you know, I'm military and also interested in UFOs and the the mystery behind them, right? It's it's sexy, not gonna lie. So when I hear that our military, our government, doesn't know where some of them are coming from, like you said, eighty well, percent of it them. It could are- be other governments testing out their yeah. technology for what Exa- exactly. And that's where the military interest of of my brain comes in is like, okay, is this is this another country? That or is this something different? And that's where my new interest has shifted. Like, okay, it's been been revealed. Now we need to figure out what it is. And and people are s- still talking about, you know, do you believe in UFOs? Well, well you know. but there's also just like anything else. I mean, there's a when you're conditioned for so many years to think something isn't real or it's just Hollywooded or or it's for crazy people. It takes a lot of reverse conditioning to get that out. And mm-hmm. I worry when the government does release information because it's always so calculated and for a very self-serving interest. So I find that wary. Um, I find... I. A lot of I take a lot of pause when I hear these things because there's always a reason, and I'm not clear on the reason why they even said that. Why they maybe who you know maybe the people doing the study again are super biased and they had limited access to whatever it may be. But the bigger thing about the Tic Tac video that I'd like to bring up to people is the fact that whatever type of craft that was, it was able to manipulate gravity. Mm -hmm. And the manipulation of gravity is like, you're almost a God at that point in time. Yeah. Because we don't even know what gravity is yet. No, I mean, you and I don't, <laughs> you know, like, well, I, mean, I, even, I mean, there's there's a lot of physicists. I mean, there's physicists. Well, sure, no, there's a ton of physicists, but know? we have no idea what the military, what they've developed in order. Yeah, true. Well, what whatever propulsion system that vehicle had, it was able because if you can control gravity, you can make like a shield around yourself so that you can stop and start on a dime, and the people inside don't like explode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you can know, do a ton with gravity. I mean, there there's even theories, you know, when you talk about Einstein's theory of, of special relativity about how you can control time when you deal with gravitational force. Sure, absolutely. And the way we understand gravity now without, you know, without a giant body, we have no idea what it even is. Jake, what yeah. do you got, bud? See, I didn't I didn't trust that 
answer for a second. It's just like, okay, everything's ramping up. It's getting way too much attention. U.S. government's like, let's just tell them that we don't know. You know, just like, just, oh, I, I don't know. Weird. Ooh, you know, yeah, I, focus I, off of me. It's just like, it, it's, you know, it, there's too many weird, there's too much weird stuff that goes on throughout the U.S. government and all the little, you know, sections of it and stuff like uh brian was saying earlier where you know the navy doesn't talk to the air force like yeah i mean i totally agree like why wouldn't they just say yeah we don't know stop stop asking us questions you know it's like it's none of your business we're not going to tell you um in the same reason why they don't broadcast every military aircraft that they're trying to come up with like they're not out there throwing f-35 uh you know pubs out there on google so that everyone can look it up and all of our enemies can see exactly how the f-35 works and all that stuff they're just like yeah it's none of your business we're not going to tell you how it but so that's 90 percent of the time you mean yeah so i'm just like sitting here i'm like i'm like all right so you know that's a lie and then jeff comes at us with all those different patent numbers from that one uh you know ufo episode that we did and i was like okay cool so they have patents for uh gravity manipulating craft fantastic <laughs> you know who makes a patent for something they'll never be able wait, to wait so discover? so they do have those patents like i yeah. i i've that has like a few different people have told me that and one of the people i interview in the film his name is lotus he just goes by lotus you guys are gonna love him <laughs> no i mean like the people i, I interview no, seriously the people i interview like it's um it's a very good uh representation of all the things we're talking about and i i think um not just the patents that the government holds on gravity like the stuff they hold on free energy it's been there for a long time we just don't what whatever whatever they want us to have we have and unfortunately science gets stymied by by government and outside influences that um you know it's very unfortunate because the like if a scientist could actually figure out what what gravity is and the way we could use it it would you know it would change the world but unfortunately the people who may have any idea they're going to keep that so close to the chest yeah i so uh for everybody listening if you want to look that up the patent is us 20060145019a1 <clears throat> that's for the triangular spacecraft anti gravity spacecraft that is an actual patent when but was it when was it uh um some, does it say yeah publica application filed by john st clair which is an important name yeah um in 2004 why don't you go ahead and tell us why that's an important name, Jeffrey? Well, St. Clair is, so there's the whole idea of the 13 bloodlines, the 13 families of the Illuminati. There's actually a CIA document that's called the 13 families or the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati. And um, St. Clair, or I can't remember the name that it comes from, but there's a, a name on that San, list. it's St. Clair, isn't it? Yeah, it's like something very similar. St. Clair became St. Clair. And yes, yeah, so that's one of the, uh, you know, Illuminati's bloodline families, according to the CIA document, which could be misinformation, who knows, but, you know, just take it for face value. But I, I have a theory on, on why this got kind of swept under the rug when the government put out, when the Pentagon put out the whole UAP thing. And 
you know, like Brian, you were saying, you know, the government didn't want people to go and raid Area 51, obviously. But then you have like the news, like you were saying, pumping it up and pumping it up and building it up in all this kind of way. So that makes me think that they really did want people to go out there. I think that there's like a cultural aspect to the whole thing where, you know, they normalize the UFOs and aliens ideas for decades and decades and decades, just being more and more normalized every day. And then they have an event like at Area 51, right, where you send all these people out and, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know who or what kind of people were there for the most part, but I can imagine, you know, it was a bunch of, there's probably a bunch of different types of people, stoners, you know, uh, people oh, you know the stoners are out there yeah you know what i mean like and i'm sure there was important intellectuals there as well but you know it, it makes me feel like they just um seeded the culture with this idea so that when they dropped the uap information people were just like okay whatever because we've already been so desensitized to the idea of these things being out there so you know i almost feel like they pushed it out on purpose and got people to go there on purpose in my opinion Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. Well, let, let, let me give you a little piece of information. I may change your theory on it. Um, so the narrative for the storming of Area 51 event, it changed. Uh, so I basically got the idea for the film 23 days before. Uh, so the event, basically, it started, so it would have been 30 days out. Um, seven days after the event, uh, um, the Facebook event gets made, the event starts to really get news coverage. I would say I start to put the crew and everything together 21 days out. And then in the next seven days, all the narrative changed. The, they were saying how it was going to be a fry festival. They were telling people not to go. They were actually, um, like all the news outlets were warning people. And you'll see this in the film. The narrative changed. Like you'll see something like they were threatening to shoot people if they went. And they got the guy, Matty Blake, who created the event. They got him to do a, his event, change it to in Las Vegas. And the interview that like he was terrified. The guy got totally scared out of it. Um, so I can tell you without a doubt that the event um, was. It was a cultural phenomenon for 14 days and for the next 10 to 12 days it was it was literally bad 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 don't go you'll die you're not gonna like it's bad 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 so i think there were some outside forces that changed the narrative and i can tell <laughs> you from someone who is prepping to film a movie there like for sure the, <laughs> the narrative changed so yeah. I can see that, but it makes me wonder if that was like some kind of weird psyop. You know, it's like you, you it's like telling the kid not to put his hand in the cookie jar and you know he's gonna do it. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean I think the psyop was psychology thing. Well, I think the psyop was getting it just to to minimize whatever was gonna happen. And they did a good job. They definitely stymied it, but uh 
but they didn't, you can't stop anything like that completely. But in, it's a huge difference in controlling 15, 20,000 people as it is to two, 3,000. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. a huge difference. I mean, and then you get up to 100,000 people, you can't do nothing. You can't control a mob like that. Well, the only right. reason I, I say any, say that uh, as my theory is because, you know, like if they really didn't want any attention on it, then the media wouldn't have put any attention on it. You know, I feel like there's got to be, you know, again, I'm I, I'm the conspiracy guy here. So I like to think that whatever media narrative there is, whatever they're saying, the opposite is probably true. So, you know, I have this and also that they're uh, in cahoots with government organizations. So. You know, I well, see. Okay, like, hold on. Everything is a who's like well, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, for sure. But it just makes me wonder, you know, like, did they try to like maybe lessen the crowd, but still give it enough attention, knowing that it would send a few thousand people over there? Well, but you sometimes know? you understand that like avalanches occur just because there's so much pressure built up. True. And True. this this was an avalanche, you know, it wasn't like, and it's something that just has has to happen and. You know, if you can just control the avalanche a little bit, then they did their job. And I think that's kind of what it was about. An avalanche occurred because pressure had built up, but they, you know, they controlled it to the best of their ability. And that's why, like, I can't wait for you because you're actually going to see, you're going to see footage like you never have of this event. Like you can't, can't you go, trust me, when we got home, I had 33 hours of footage to edit and because of, you know, the pandemic, all kinds, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, the, the editing of the movie took years, years, but I watched every piece of news footage that was out there and nothing really encapsulates what the event was and what these people, um, even were there for than what I did. And, and it wasn't just me. Like, let, let me give credit before we go any further. Um, Jeffrey McNeil, the editor of the movie, I've been working with him for years. And I knew that if I got this footage, he could he could really put it over the top. And this film, um, look, the, the, the budget, working budget of this movie is about $111,000. What you're about to see, most people on the planet couldn't do for a half million. And I'm very proud of that. And it's because a lot of people, like a lot of the crew, they worked really hard. And everybody, everybody that was on it, I pushed them just hard enough to help create some greatness, but without quitting, you know? And and that, and that to me, like, that's something that um, I I don't know if people are going to, when they watch the movie, I don't know if they're going to be able to see that. They're not going to be able to see that. (laughs) They're not. I don't even know what I'm saying. But I would like to express that because it's it's um, in this alien UFO conspiracy subculture, as you guys know, there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of animosity. You know, people like if you step out on a limb, people are so quick to tear you down. And I knew if I was going to make a project for this community, like it had to be, um, you know, it had to be able to handle the firing squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many factions. It's like any any of these theories, really, or sure. whatever you want to call them. It's like there's so many factions of, you know, uh, like ask Jeremy about the Bigfoot faction. Oh, wait, hold on. Can, I, can can I go down the line? And I want to ask because I really think 
this is a wonderful podcast and you guys all bring something very unique, but I'm very curious. I'll, I'll, I just want to hear what every one of your guys is, what, what your number one conspiracy theory or number one kind of esoteric thought is like the thing that like kind of maybe haunts you or keeps you up at night or something that nobody but you believes in. Like I just, and it does, I don't need a dissertation, but I'm very curious. Yeah. Like, like Jeremy, go ahead. Let me hear. What, what's yours, Jeremy? Well, uh, the listeners will be very familiar with this, but I'm a humongous Bigfoot believer because I saw <laughs> one when I was nine years old. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my question is, <laughs> no, no, no. And the Bigfoot's yeah. a great theory. Now, my question is, do you think Bigfoot is a humanoid or, or, or just another, another species? Like, what do you think it is then? Because you have I, to have an explanation for what it is. It, it, it's, it's such a tough question. Honestly, I, I don't. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to go with the Occam's razor you know, thing and just say this is just an animal that lives in the woods. It's a little smarter than everything else out there and just doesn't want to be found. That's why we haven't found it. Okay, well, where's the evolutionary tree on this? Was it because... It, so there's got to be some human aspects to it. So then at some point in time, genetically, some animal was mixed with human DNA. Is that what I, I No, nah, I don't think so. I think, just think it's is, another is, species altogether. It, well, I mean, you know, there's the whole theory about Gigantopithecus blackie and how, you know, it could have came over through the barren land straight from Russia to Alaska and down, you know, yeah. so this is pretty much the same path as, Native Americans took a lot of people don't know this, but Native Americans actually share a lot of the same DNA and bloodlines as as uh, uh, early Asian cultures in the Mongolians. Uh, yeah, and the Mongolians. Exactly. Um, and they also took that trip through the Barren Land Strait. And this could be just another another creature. I mean, if you look over in that that area of the world, you 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 have the Yaren and the the Yeti um, that also are plaguing the the, you know, the the forest and the the creative the creative minds over there you know the the people that are looking into the shadows are trying to find upright walking hairy people out in the middle of the woods too when they have their own names they just don't call them bigfoot or sasquatch and if you follow the path that the natives were supposed to have taken you know i mean what's to say that uh, a gigantopithecus blackie couldn't have taken that same path i mean we know that gigantopithecus lived it lived in asia you know it 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 was there could it just be a very small population of gigantopithecus it could could it be a i mean do we know for a fact that the neanderthals uh were hairless you know for the most part no we don't i mean shit i mean it it could even be the neanderthal i'm not too big where were you when you saw it i was in new england well i guess it changed your life huh it did. It did. And that's, that's why I, I built this podcast. Oh, beautiful. Jeff, what about you? Uh, man, that's, that's a tough question, man. But, um, I'd have to say probably something along the lines of like project blue beam, um, refresh my memory. What's blue. I know I've heard this project blue beams where the, the governments of the world fake some sort of second coming or alien invasion sure sure false flag an alien false flag sure to bring about the one world government all that good stuff 
uh that's probably one of my favorites now i wasn't gonna go too far down the rabbit hole <laughs> but then when i brought up the government releasing that information but that's what scared terrifies me the most because i think it's a big setup for, for alien false flag right and that's you know i mean that's like i have again no no reason like no factual reason to think that other than historically speaking it's that um the government usually has its own self-interest in mind not actually the people right which is why i brought up that theory a few minutes ago about it just being some weird psyop because i i do believe that the government has been you know seeding the not just our population but the world's population the world's governments have been seeding the world's populations with this idea of aliens extraterrestrials when they very well could be beings from inside the earth or they could just be craft or drones or who knows what they are you know what's crazy is i always tell people i'm not a conspiracy theorist but i know every conspiracy theory <laughs> in and You're out foot back, the door, back and forth <laughs> come hang out with me for a few shows man and you'll, you'll, i'll get you on board yeah we're two for two god i knew it <laughs> jake what about you i'm surprised jeff didn't talk about the dinosaurs being fake <laughs> <laughs> that's we'll that's get, one of our our shows that are coming up we'll or, get uh, there, bud. We'll yeah get, we'll, i might we'll i might i might argue that one but wow i mean well, the, the <laughs> earth is just so old the earth is just so so old like the history that has been the amount of knowledge that has been lost on this planet is incredible but like it's it's mind-boggling that we like it's literally taught that prior civilizations were barely you know were stick carrying people that, that could barely communicate mm -hmm. and that's not only a lie it's constantly disproven and and just shoved you know into some closet or some museum basement because it can't be categorized it's it's really sad that um that people aren't taught to look a, a little deeper like about what is ha what has and has not happened on this planet because there's so much now the dinosaurs i'd need to know your timeline of when you think it didn't happen but you know there's been a lot a lot of stuff on this planet that <laughs> that um has been lost or forgotten to never yeah. be remembered and that's a point i would love to to argue in the dinosaur conversation oh, we could do that in the future that, that yeah, like yeah, said, yeah, that's yeah, yeah 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 this is your I time have jake a, i have this a problem is... with <laughs> evolutionary theory because it is a theory and there's a lot of assumptions and that just well, sure. down a long hole but well yeah. there's a hundred percent um our dna um the the progress of our evolution has been exponential in in the last hundred years or so what uh you know let's say the 200 you know um the way our dna and our from from early times to now there's been some type of adjustments and i don't believe the evolutionary timeline makes sense with how we actually evolve so there's a missing link somewhere i would i would say that would be the alien influence 
if you want to know like a far out theory that would be like if aliens ever did come to the planet it would be the whoever would be the the anunnaki it would they would have somehow altered our dna for us to become some type of worker bees for them for some reason whatever oh, don't get me on a whole other show man we'll be here all night sure 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 <laughs> but that i mean to for evolution to really make sense someone has to alter our dna you know and for their you know for whatever reason for you know maybe in their same image i i you know again this is you know this is something that i I, you know, time and time again, it's been brought to my attention, but how to actually, for someone like me to actually make that missing link, you know, viable, you know, for other, for people to understand that it's really there. It's, I would love to do that. Like if I could do another, another, I don't know, like I would like to move into real movies, but if I could do another documentary, I would love to do it a, about science that gets brushed under the rug science that gets because the scientific community used to be all about innovation now because it's so funded by big business it's about um, grants and getting uh, published and continued funding it's not about innovation because innovation means someone in the past was wrong and that's very hard to do when university uh, money is so dependent on you know studies yeah well i've got some some plugs for you we'll, we'll talk after the show i'll send you some people that you could probably make a kick-ass movie if yeah see that again you know the universe presents you the things you know right when you need them uh jake what what's your <laughs> level well, yeah what's your big thing uh yeah you know i'm on board with uh jeremy on this one it's uh it's bigfoot what um, two bigfooters yeah i no i didn't way. uh i didn't care at all i didn't think about it prior to jeremy approaching me with his story but it was uh crazy and visceral and i still didn't really believe him too much and um we started doing this podcast and stuff and i started meeting with people that uh kind of showed me what to look for and stuff and this last camping trip i had like five months ago had some pretty crazy experiences got all the tree knocks and the screaming in the woods and saw a footprint like just like all, all sorts of stuff so for me i'm just like i'm like all right cool you know okay, let's okay now let's see one hold the horses okay there's two things that i want to ask mm -hmm. first did you really if you really wanted to experience all that stuff the mind has a very funny way so of, here's the thing so uh there was 10 adults there and everyone heard the exact same thing. They all started oh. talking about it the next day. They were like, like I have this huge game, right? That's just like, yeah, if I saw a big food, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't breathe or move while this was going on. Right. I was in my sleeping bag, just locked in. And the people, the drunk people that were, you know, maybe three quarters of a mile or so away from us in the next campsite over, cause it was pretty much a, just find a spot and stay there sort of a thing, you know, out there in the boonies. And, they were out there screaming and they had their music and you can hear and then this start, started happening and they went dead silent and then the music turned off and it was just tree knocks and these loud guttural like really deep throated screams out into the woods just just like it was crazy and then the next morning everyone was just just chattering about it. like oh my gosh did you hear that that was crazy like no one no one was shut up about it 
And it wasn't so, just some dude on meth, right? I, I mean, it, it is California, but we were way far away from Fresno, okay. you know, like <laughs> okay, way out there. Because... And so I grew up in, in Fresno, and yeah, definitely would have been meth in Fresno. Yeah, but, uh, well, <laughs> well, when you say boonies, that's usually what I attribute to. It was, it was up in, uh, up in Dinky Creek. Where's this? Uh, just past Shaver, just past Shaver Lake. Okay. So basically, and it's crazy too, because we went up there and Shaver Lake, you know, two years ago, we got hit by that massive fire. That whole oh, area yeah. burned up. Yeah. Shaver Lake is just matchsticks. It's crazy. But just past it, like 10 miles more north, you hit Dinky Creek and it's lush and green. And, you know, we had, so we had the pandemic that shut down all the, the forestry areas because they couldn't get employees to go work there and stuff like that. So every, every place was closed up. And we had the fires. So for two years, these animals just pushed up into that area and were just chilling out. Actually, we, we were shooting my hunting rifle at a tree, and we ha- turned around, and this big old gnarly buck was just standing there staring at us like 30 yards behind us. There was no fear whatsoever. It was just like, oh, hey, you <laughs> know, just kind of hanging out. Wow. It was so weird. But like, like that was like the area where it was experienced, and it, it would make sense like if this is a – you know, uh, another animal that's out there. I believe it is. I'm a, I'm a Christian guy, right? I believe that God created everything. That's no evolution or anything. That's just another type of animal. Like we have all the various types of great apes that they look similar, but they're slightly different, right? Chimpanzees, you know, gorillas, orangutans, all that sort of stuff. This could just be another one. I believe that Gigantopithecus existed. I'm going to let Jeff try to say that dinosaurs aren't real. I don't know. I'm going to let him go, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't think that we evolved from anything. I think this is just another type of animal. But why would it be not where the food source is? And in that case, it would be the untouched, unburned area. But it was it was absolutely mind-blowing. And it was I'm like, a, but I, I a, agree with you, right? If you're out there and you're just like, I'm going to see one, you know, anything, you know, be like, you know, I, I saw a leaf. It's proof, you know, but <laughs> just like it was it was pretty nuts. It was crazy. How much of a Christian are you? Very. You believe Jesus walked on water? Yeah, he's God. I mean, that's, create, yeah. if he could create, so I'm not saying anything's wrong with well, that, but that's usually a question that that allows me to determine someone's level of belief. If I believe that God created all this, He put the physics in place, He put the way the universe works together in place. Then why couldn't He be outside of that and defy those laws that He created as God? Because the Bible says that Jesus made all of this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and everything was made everything that yeah, I'm really, yeah, to- you know, I, I you mean, know what I, I'm saying? You feel I, what I'm saying? Well, I've, I've studied religion very thoroughly, but my, my point that I usually bring to the table on this is like, so the story tells you the beginning. Well, the right. beginning is a lot further back than mm-hmm. what the story is talking about. And so that is where a problem for me in this particular story comes in just because i believe the history of this planet and this human form as we know may be very um you know it may be very very new like what was occupied the planet before who knows i mean i'm not smart enough to explain but i know the history of the planet goes back much further than what I believe the Bible in any in any f- interpretation explains. There's there's a pastor 
an apologist, really smart guy named Frank Turek, and he put it really well. He does this like little YouTube shorts. This show is called Cross Examined. Basically, he does college campuses. People ask questions, Q and A sort of stuff, and whether they're Christians or other faiths or atheists or whatever it is, he and he does debates and everything. But he, you know, someone was really going hard into the like theory of evolution and stuff, and he said, you know, even if evolution is real, it doesn't take anything away from Christ. If, if we, oh, no, I can you know, tell you that J-Man that, was probably a cool dude. And that J-Man was like, was probably a really and that was, guy. yeah, I mean, but you know, and I, I was sitting here like, like, you know, there's two sides of the fence. There's either the creationist or the evolutionist. And he was like, even if you believe in evolution, it doesn't take anything away from Jesus. Right. Oh, totally, even totally. if he died for your sins and all that stuff, it doesn't take anything away from that. So, you know, if it, when it comes down to it for me, the whole, where do we come from? Is the creation story like, oh, oh, geez, all the sects in Christianity that believe that either it was a literal seven days or it was seven time frames, all that sort of stuff. It makes no difference to me because it's, it's just like it's a fun no, talking you're point, man, you're a man of but faith, it's like, you know, yeah. it's a fun you're talking point, but it's just like, but at the same time, I can agree with you. You know, there's also sects of Christianity where they're like, no, it was seven days and this is a young earth that's made to look old. And then there's other people that say, well, it was seven periods of time, and this is an old earth, and maybe the dinosaurs and all those sorts of things and the sloths the size of minivans were all made just prior to man being created. So, yeah, there's a lot of you know division and all that sort of stuff when it comes down to it. You know, I'm pretty hardcore in my faith, and Bigfoot's just another animal. <laughs> a big, scary, hairy beast that screams and ruins campers sleep <laughs> when when you see something like gobekli tepe what do you think do you know anything about gobekli tepe in turkey uh jeff mentioned something about it in one of our episodes well, Jake, I, I educated you bro you don't remember dude i brain dumped oh, yesterday please. all right Jake, come on <laughs> gobekli tepe man this is what they dug up this spot in turkey and it was apparently purposely buried, what, 11,500 years ago or 11,000? Yeah, approximately 11,000 years ago. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. It was, but it was sophisticated, and but it was intentionally, uh, obviously, constructed with 50, 70-ton rocks with, with an, an yeah. old, and they great uh, carvings from animals that weren't even indigenous to the area. Yeah, so when it comes to that, that kind of goes into my belief about the level of intelligence and sophistication in society, I guess. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, that people were pre-flood. Like, what could cause people to be so bad that God flooded the earth and killed everybody except for one family? You know, and that's – uh I have no issue believing that prior to most of – because, I mean, that was in Genesis <laughs> prior to sure. Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Moses and, you know, the Israelites and all that stuff. I think that there were societies on the earth that were, for one, plagued with sin. So God killed them all um, after giving them generations and generations and generations to repent, but they never did. But also, I think that if people were allowed to just do whatever they wanted to and have their endeavors and just go for I, – I think that people have always been as smart as they are now. There's always those outliers, the people that are super duper smart. Like if my phone 
hardcore broke today, like I replaced the screen, but if it hardcore broke today, I would have no idea how to fix it. And if all those people died right now that knew how to fix that phone, we would go back to the oldest, crappiest model of phone because we'd have nothing else, right? I think those people have always existed. They've always been able to have the resources at their disposal and be able to do amazing, incredible things or horrible things with them. I think that civilizations like that probably existed and they were all over the place and they were, you know, just mind-bogglingly intelligent more so than people give them credit for. Um, but then they, that history, that technology, all that stuff was lost and maybe buried underneath a hundred miles of sediment. And now, and then we had to start from scratch. Well, I can totally agree that like, well, I can agree with the point that, that there was definitely a flood, a major flood on this planet that wiped out a lot of stuff. What caused that flood I mean, you and I will probably always disagree. I would never believe in a God that murders an entire planet, but mm -hmm. but whatever caused the flood did change the course of this planet. And I just hope that I never see that in, you know, in my days. And I'm going to go historically speaking, since it hasn't happened in however many thousands of years, I'm going to hope we can make it. You know, because I feel like the world that you're describing that got destroyed is very close to the one that is now. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that I'm shocked that the United States still exists as we know it. <laughs> um, because Sodom and Gomorrah only got so bad before they were burned up. Um, and we're at least we have to be getting somewhere close. Um, but at the same well, time, have I you mean, looked what into is, what is close? What is close when you're talking billions of years? Really? What is like you, you have no idea. This could be, the, <laughs> this could, this could be the hundredth iteration. Have, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Have, have you no checked idea. out the Yellowstone supervolcano? That could go up tomorrow and then 98% of the earth is gone. <laughs> Again, like, like I say, I, I, I usually like, I have had the end of the world predicted to me quite a few times. No, this one, this one could happen at any time. It could no, happen no, no. in the and next 10 is, minutes. Of course. And this is what I always tell people the same thing. It could happen, but historically speaking, it hasn't. And that's why predicting the end of the world is so difficult because it only happens one time. Yeah. If, if it's from a Christian perspective, uh, saying that this is when the world's going to end, like uh, what was 2012 was a big one, right? Um there's definitely a very well-known passage in the Bible that says no one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, only the Father. So for anyone to say, well, this is when it's going to end, I mean, they just need to crack that dusty bad boy open and, and read a couple of verses and just be like, oh, never mind. I'm probably wrong. You know? <laughs> what about you, Kenzar? What, like, don't tell me Bigfoot. I'll be so sad if you say Bigfoot. <laughs> um the Wendigo. <laughs> no. Um, so I've always been into a little bit of everything. Uh, Bigfoot does interest me, but not as much as it interests everybody else here, apparently. Um, <laughs> lately, I find myself getting really into Flat Earth. Yes, dude. I'm really digging fl the Flat Earth theory and the whole idea around that lately. I love the idea of the arctic ice wall or the antarctic ice wall whatever you whatever that is like there's just so much there's so much to it and it's so interesting 
Well, I think the most incredible thing about about that is is magnification from a distance. Like when they say um, you should be able to see the curvature from a boat all the way out. Well, you can magnify something, however, you know, 500 X and you can still see it. Well, you should really only be seeing the top of the boat. Are you a flat earther, Brian? No, but I'm just saying that's of all, like I, like I say, I know every conspiracy theory in and out. Like and I can tell you the high points of them all. And I would say that is the high point of that theory for me. Yeah, yes. I feel that. I'll just yeah. say, I go back and forth between being a flat earther and not a flat earther, probably on the daily. But, uh, <laughs> Why? And you picked Bigfoot above that? I didn't pick Bigfoot. I picked uh, oh, Blue Beetle. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. That's, that's <laughs> no. right. No. So wait, why do you go back and forth daily? Like, what is the, because and for me. Uh, because for me, here's it, the thing is, is knowing the proper flat earth model. There's so many like, disinformation flat earth models out there like the flat earth society definitely government opposition and it's or gov- government controlled opposition and it's just like if you know the proper model not to say that it's like correct but like <laughs> if you know the proper flat earth model it's really really hard to debunk those things and all i ever see like online is people debunking the bullshit model and nobody even knows the proper model so when you sit down and actually figure out what that proper model is it's super hard to debunk. So I like space. I play space video games. I love space movies. I like to think that we're in space. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then like, I but run it's around fake. And, and exactly. I tell people that space is fake. And by that, I mean, it's not what we're told. We're not given the whole truth and nothing but the truth about space. And, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, bro, it is flat. And other days <laughs> I'm like, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I lean more towards with Jeff on a lot of things, actually. Like, I don't know if it's actually flat. I don't. I would love to know the answer to that question, though. But it's still so very interesting to look into. And like, like Jeff said, space is definitely not what they tell us it is. Welcome to the dark side, Kenzo. You know, I do a flat Earth movie, bro. I Waterworld. I wish I had the ability to speak firsthand. You know, I I would absolutely love to uh, see for myself. I um, I think this planet is such a beautiful place, and I've had the the fortune of of traveling to remote places, and and I can't. In my mind, like, I understand the flat earth theory, but I just can't imagine that we're not this celestial body in floating in space because of, you know, all the astronomy that I've studied and I've actually seen, you know, Alpha Centauri, you know? Like, I've seen the galaxies. I've seen them and... To think that we are just a flat disc and that is some remote, that is just some thing put in, I don't know, we're just like a tiny little video game or something. I don't know. The flat earth theory would have to 
lead into us just maybe being in a simulation of some kind and some kind of biodome right <laughs> and then like the the remote galaxies that i'm seeing are just like wallpaper like you know how you'd put those stars on your ceiling as a kid that would glow in the dark mm-hmm. like that <laughs> like so that's what i'm looking at i just yeah. find that i can't it's i just can't the, make that jump you know think of the truman of the, show it's the seating though <laughs> yeah, right the truman so, show. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's just the seating or the indoctrination that's that's the argument against that particular thing is you know yeah we all see the the lights or the luminaries in the sky but only because we were taught that they're celestial bodies in an infinite space that's what we automatically assume that they are but who knows i mean for thousands of years people those were the gods or those were the angels or those were the luminaries or whatever the case may be so you know it's just about whatever that perception is given to you when you're a small child is what you're you think you're seeing you know because i i see it too don't get me wrong you know, I had a telescope at one point and I'd be and it wasn't a good telescope, it was a little cheap fucking telescope. But you could look <laughs> up and you could see stuff and you'd be like, Oh, you could see the rings around Saturn. But it's like, is that rings around a planet or is that a luminary that just represents something and, and because of the way that it's shaped and looked, these astronomers have told us that that is a you know, a spherical body with rings around it. And it's like, who knows? Nobody'll ever know the answer to that question, just like most of these questions. I mean, a, <laughs> yeah, lot, it's hard. a lot smarter people than us have tried to explain and have failed. So don't feel bad if you don't, don't get to a conclusion today. But I think searching for the answers is always the way. Yeah, for sure. But it is super fascinating. I'm with Kenzar. That's probably like in my top three. You know, it's a super fascinating idea. You know, even if it's complete bullshit. Just the idea that there's more lands beyond the Antarctic ice walls and the extraterrestrials are just beings from other lands out beyond, you know, where we're allowed to go. Like that would make a game, like a great movie, like a good sci-fi. Give me some CGI. Like there's some, there's some deep stuff there. I, I think so too. Oh, I, I absolutely think so. I, I hope and pray I'm able to make a real sci-fi movie one day, like a real, you uh, you know um make you think kind of keep you on the edge of your seat sci-fi and you know if i don't ever get there so what but i i hope and i when you guys watch this movie i i just want you to know like all this stuff that i'm talking about like this is this is stuff that i took years to kind of think about and formulate and research and find my own opinion and the whole thing about dreamland it's simply an expression of that in just this one area in the area of like ufoology and kind of i touch on religion and space and like government so i just you know i i um like when i say some of these things i just want to let you know that a lot of it to me it's like it's about having faith in yourself because I believe we're the gods. I believe that we are able to create and do sometimes magical things, but you have to believe like you have to believe on a level that's almost unexplainable and your faith, like you were talking about before is something that I am very, um, 
you know, I'm appreciative of and cognizant because having a certain level of faith, like it takes, uh, it takes a very thoughtful person to get there, you know? And sometimes, yes, like there's, there's bad on everything. It's the bell curve, you know, Mm -hmm. but to have a, um, but to have an open mind and be able to discuss topics in a very, um, in a very inviting way is something that, uh, I think is really wonderful. And you guys have a great podcast here that has such a interesting combination of individuals. Like you guys should be very proud of yourself. This is, no, this has been really wonderful. No, I, I appreciate that. We pride ourselves in not being an echo chamber. We have no, our own ideas, not. you know, it's our own a, ideas, it's our own Bigfoot stuff. It's yeah, not well, <laughs> he's convinced me. And then and then Jeff told me that all the images of space are fake. And I looked it up and it just destroyed my my like I had to delete all my space pictures off my desktop. I thought it was the coolest thing. All these galaxy pictures, all fake CGI. He had well, to throw it's away not, his mouse pad. It, it's <laughs> not exactly CGI. It's our best interpretation of the light waves. Artist rendition. <laughs> Colored by numbers is what it yeah. is. One is well, blue, there's, two there's, is red. It's really funny. There's this <laughs> new, it was supposed to be this telescope technology, like five ten thousand dollars this telescope that you can bring out anywhere. And it's like it connects Bluetooth with your phone and you can like point on the galaxy and it sits there and it's supposedly taking like these images. And I have this theory, like that it's simply just a box that looks like a telescope and it's downloading the shit <laughs> and it just cool. sends it to your phone. And it's like, here, I took this photo. What's <laughs> like, interesting about that is this, there's a guy out there. Some people may know him. Crow triple seven. He, uh, he's the guy who filmed the lunar wave. He's got one of those super nice, like the best telescope that civilians can buy. Uh, and he has, time and time again shown videos of things like the moon having a refresh rate and and the what we call planets the luminaries in the skies have refresh rates like they're either a hologram or there's some kind of something i don't know but yeah well i mean there's something i mean there's Hmm. stuff on the moon like it's there's stuff on the moon that chinese rover is crazy there's definitely something going on up there In all of in all of the planetary story, the moon size, shape, uh, you know, its usage to the Earth, uh, usefulness to the Earth is highly unexplainable. Like that's that it's almost too perfect. Like the intelligent design of it, the way it affects the tides, perfect size. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's very strange. It's very, very strange. It's a simulation, bro. We live in a simulation. (laughs) Well, that I can get behind. I can totally get behind the simulation theory. My thing with the moon is I always see the same side of it. And I've read up on how the moon spins around us and blah, blah, blah. But I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense only, in my head. The only celestial object that rotates in the direction that it rotates in, if if that's what it is. Yeah, so. if it's I I again, remember science as I was talking about before, it's not we're in a time that's very scary for progression of thought because real scientists aren't promoted for um 
for showing that someone else was wrong. Like they're usually, you know, especially in today's society, and this has kind of always been the case for when, you know, um, innovation is made, scientists are maligned and they're, and they're called, um, you know, heretics or, uh, you know, devil force or whatever it may be. Um, science now has gotten to the point where it's been so suppressed because big business funds it and it's all directional science. It's like, we want you to study this and get this result. Mm. So, especially some of that planetary stuff, if there's real science behind it, we're not going to hear about it because these scientists are called quacks and they're, um, you know, they're laughed out of their industries mm-hmm. and, you know, people have, jo- people have jobs to keep and families to feed. And, and unfortunately that's, I don't know how I hate to, express a problem and not have a solution or at least an idea for solution. But I, this one's a really tough one because science is so dependent on funding and where does the funding come from anymore? It's like Vanguard owns everything, Mm. you know, it's like you can't get away from who funds the science and that doesn't, you know, that stymies innovation completely. Like it does. Like people, people aren't going to call out bad science because they're afraid of what it's going to do to their career. Hey, Brian, I have a quick question for you. I want to round back to your your movie real quick. I've had this question on my mind for a minute now. I kind of want to just get it out there. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So you put a tremendous amount of work into this project and you you had mentioned how like you know the news reports started coming out and then you guys got there and then you you just started shooting and you're just like let's just go um did you have an idea of doing something i don't know alien or ufo related prior to this and this was just like the perfect storm of events where you're just like fantastic let's go with it or was it more like i want to do a project and I want to figure out what's the best project for me to do. And then suddenly this popped up and you were like, that'll work. Um, well, I'm a very, uh, I, tr- I, I work on this every day and I'm not always as great at it as I think I am, but I try to be very open to the signs of the universe, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I like to be busy. I like to be working on things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I knew. I knew I had a chance to make my own movie. I just, um, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I knew I could do a Curb Your Enthusiasm style movie where, where there was no script. I just, if I got a good cast together, I could give them direction and beats to hit Mm -hmm. and they, you know, behave how they're, they're, you know, how they choose to, because you're going to see some things in this film. I just want you guys to be clear. I did not instruct these people to do or say some of this stuff. This was all on them. There were, like mm-hmm. I say, there wasn't a script. And some of the, some of the stuff, I had no idea how I was going to make a coherent story with it, but it worked, <laughs> but it, but it worked out. So to answer your question, I knew that I could make a film mm-hmm. that was run and gun. I just didn't know I didn't know what was going to be the driving force and the area 51 thing. I was literally at a bar in a small town in Ohio, like a bar called Jankies. I swear, I swear that was the name. And 
this guy was sitting next to me. He, you know, I tell him I'm a comedian. He looks me up. He goes to the bathroom, comes <laughs> back. All of a sudden, he's my biggest fan. <laughs> and we're talking about like, because my Instagram name is Moreno the Alien. So we start talking about alien stuff. And he's like, you should go to Area 51 and interview people. And I, and that was literally the seed. And you know how nice. some seeds grow a lot at a lot faster. Some ideas grow at a much faster rate than other yeah. ideas. And that one, it just exploded. And that was 24 days before the event. And 23 is when I got the idea. Cause I'm like, should I just hire a film crew to sit in my back seat and try? <laughs> and I'm like, that sucks. Like that's a YouTube, you know? Yeah. I'm for YouTube. And I'm like, I, for me to make a real movie. And I was told by everyone, you can't make a movie this fast. It's impossible. Well, Oh, that, there you go. That, that inspired me even more. That's awesome. Tell a man he can't do something because then he'll go and do it. Or, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's cool, man. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I'm probably going to wrap this up because it's past my bedtime. I'm an old man over here. But uh, before we go, <laughs> Brian, if you want to take a minute and just plug all your shit real quick so everybody knows where to find you and all that well stuff. i'm pretty easy to find um brian moreno comedian uh moreno the alien on all social media m-o-r-e-n-o but um uh, the really great thing to support right now is dreamland uh area 51 movie.com we have some really great merchandise on there um we make some great shirts anything any any support you have is um is much appreciated but uh, keep your eyes out for this movie. Follow the Dreamland Area 51 movie on Instagram. It helps the algorithm. And I, that's where I try to post all my alien stuff or whatever is on that Instagram. Or, or you know, whatever it may be. I, I say alien, but uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was awesome. You know, we, we had a curveball thrown at us today. And, geez, Jeff's slammed it right out of the park brian what an interview thank you so much <laughs> no thank awesome. you guys this was i generally meant what i said you guys have a great dynamic you all are have um a very interesting take on things and i think uh i thank your listeners and i think they um they really have a great you guys have a great podcast here and they probably get very enlightened through all of you and that is you know that's beautiful work that you're doing well, well thank you very much we'll do <laughs> anyways well i guess i gotta close it out since i opened it up huh yeah yep you got you have get to get at her uh, <laughs> okay well thanks everybody for listening to this awesome episode of infinite rabbit hole thanks again to brian thanks again to jeremy jake and kenzar for joining me on my show uh, <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> jeremy loves that joke um uh, no, it's been fun. It's been real. Uh, the next topic, should I give them the next topic? Do we have the next topic? I mean, am I doing my thing next weekend or next Ooh, week? You are. You are. Okay, yes. so next week, next week, we touched on it a little bit here. I'm doing the Dinosaurs Never Existed episode. <laughs> yes. Dinosaurs are fake. So keep an eye out for that. I've got plenty of it to go around. I might be bringing on a, a guest who's an quote-unquote expert in this topic. Uh, it's still to be determined. You're going to bring on but, Brian, too? Yeah, Brian's coming on. He should tell us why dinosaurs are We're going to fight. Yeah, yeah. I might, <laughs> I might have some counterpoints. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. But yeah, everybody, make sure you check out 
Brian on all his socials. Make sure you you follow the uh, Area Fifty One, Storming Area Fifty One, Dreamland film when it drops. Um, and that's it. Anything else, right. anybody? Nope, that's pretty much it. Thank you for joining us on this path of the infinite rabbit hole. We will see you next week. Bye. Thank you.